Welcome to Bible Studies for Life, adult podcast. It's hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And I know many of you are new to this podcast. We're kind of starting a new quarter, and we are always glad to welcome the new listeners. So welcome. Now, each week, what happens is Chris and I, we have a conversation. It's really about one of those Bible studies, uh, the sessions in Bible Studies for Life. It's sort of an overview. Uh, and so we're just going to hope that you subscribe, and uh, we want you to join us each week. Uh, so, Chris, good to see you. So, Chris, why don't you just get us into this study, this new six-week study we're doing? Thanks, Lynn. Look forward to, to this study. We are looking at uh, passages from First John, and the title of the study is No Doubt, Six Things We Can Know for Sure. So we're going to be talking about things like forgiveness, having a relationship with God, how we can be sure of truth, sure of victory in our lives, how we can be sure of God's love, and how we can be sure of salvation. So uh, the, the idea of no doubt, I think, it is uh, timely for us. There are seems like there are fewer and fewer things that are certain. And so we'll we'll talk about some of that uh, in our introduction. But let me take a pause here and Lynn in, introduce our guest and the writer of this uh, yes. group of sessions. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Yeah, because people don't want to just listen to you and me, Chris. We yes. have we have Dr. Blake Gideon with us, and I'm especially excited Blake is with us because, as Chris said. Blake wrote this particular study out of First John. So, uh, Dr. Gideon, thanks for joining us uh, for this podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Glad to be here. Yeah, and, and uh, just uh, f- to, to bring you up to speed on uh, Dr. Gideon, he is pastor of the First Baptist Church of Edmond, Oklahoma. Uh, Blake, how long have you been pastoring there at Edmond? You've been there quite a while now, haven't you? Uh, right at nine years and uh, moved here from First Baptist Church in Inola, Oklahoma, to First Baptist Edmond about nine years ago. Dr. Gideon wrote for us uh, several years ago, a really good study that we did. So when it came time we were doing this, uh, Chris and I were part of the team putting the study of First John together. I thought, I know who I want to write this, and that is Blake Gideon. So I called Blake, and Blake, I remember, can you remember what you told me, why you were so excited to do this study? I was just, I mean, God had, I'd just been praying through the next series that God had for First Baptist Edmund, and uh, God had led me to First John. And so I was preparing to preach through First John here at First Baptist Edmund. Uh, and then you called me and asked me about doing this study. And I just, you know, I, I prayed about it briefly, but <laughs> I knew without a shadow of a doubt it's what God wanted me to do because he'd already been working in my heart concerning that direction. Uh, that's that's just phenomenal. That's so, a cool story. Yeah, your church benefited, and uh, all our readers have benefited as well. And so, I want to take advantage and get a benefit from you today as we talk about this first session. Uh, it's it's about forgiveness. Uh, uh, as Chris talked about, this study is no doubt the things we can be sure of, and the first one is we're going to talk about being sure of forgiveness. Right. So there's a great deal of uncertainty in our world. We've lived through and are living through. COVID, so it, it, has, it has changed uh, It has changed the world that we live in. We've been shook up. The, the routines of our lives have changed. So I, I think it's timely that we're talking about this, uh, our need for certainty in a time of great uncertainty. Well, tell me, let's, so let me just kind of jump us, uh, get us started into this study. Uh, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 1. Uh, we're going to begin in verse 5. And Chris and Blake, tell me, I'm just going to read the, uh, a couple of verses here, and then I'm just going to kind of be quiet. I want you to guys just to 
just to run with what you hear in this passage. This is 1 John 1, beginning in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in him. And if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we are lying and we are not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Blake, take on to talk about that contrast between light and darkness that we find in this passage. Well, we know that, uh, first of all, let me just identify that word walk, because it's essential to understanding what the darkness is that he's referring to. Of course. And, and the light that he's referring to. He says in that passage that if we walk in darkness or if we walk in the light, and, uh, you know, walking just signifies a pattern of life. Um, it, it, it indicates a way of living. And so the scriptures talks about God is light and there's absolutely no darkness of him. If we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness. So the idea of darkness is that, that idea of a, of a sinful, uh, unrepentant life. Uh, to walk in darkness is to live a life of rebellion and unrepentance against God. Uh, to walk in the light is to, is to seek to live a life of repentance in the pursuit of righteousness. And so the, the Bible talks about that there's no darkness with God at all. So there's no sin with God. There's no unrighteousness with God. There's no rebellion within the, the, the heart of God. There's no rebellion within the, within the Trinity. So therefore, to truly know God through his son, Jesus Christ, is to walk in the light that life of consistent repentance and in the pursuit of practical righteousness. The contrast to that is to walk in darkness, which is a life of unrepentance in the pursuit of unholiness. I like one sentence you made here. As you describe this, you said to walk in the light is to live a life consistent with the will of God. Right. I wrote I wrote that one down, too. I thought that was a great statement for us to, to recall. Uh, so yesterday I was preaching um, in the book of Ephesians where, where Paul talks about that, that we were dead in our trespasses. And he says uh, the sins and the trespasses were the things that we formerly walked according to the course of this world. So that's that that whole idea throughout the scripture of uh, Peter uses that same terminology that uh, our our way of life, what we do, is it parallels with walk. I appreciate how you set that up for us, Blake. Yeah, and, and, and you know the idea is that anyone who has truly trusted in Christ and been born again will obviously have that desire to to walk in accordance with the will of God. Does that mean that they do it perfectly? Absolutely not. John tells us if we say we have no sin, we're liars. So <laughs> of course we don't do it perfectly. But but here's the reality that the, to, the, the overall trajectory of a, of, of a Christian's life is in the pursuit of the will of God. And that's what it means to walk in the light. Right. Now, I want to keep reminding us, this is all about forgiveness, what we're, what, what we're emphasizing in this passage. We can be sure of our forgiveness, and that is we're forgiven when we confess our sin and we walk with Christ. Yeah. And as we see this, as Blake has unpacked it for us, that sign of forgiveness is when we turn from darkness to light. What a great picture there, that contrast. 
Yeah, well, one of the things I love about this passage of Scripture is how it describes God. God is described as light. It says God is light. And so as right. we talk about, you know, so as we talk about certainty in, in the midst of a world that's filled with uncertainty, can we be certain that we're forgiven? Can we know that without a shadow of a doubt? Well, the answer is yes. And, and it's because of that, those three words, God is light. To say that God is light is to say that, that there's no imperfection with God. There's no unrighteousness with God. It, it is to say that God is true and God is righteous. So to say that I can be certain of my salvation, I can say with certainty. Why? Because my forgiveness is based on the character of God hmm. and there's no unrighteousness with him. Forgiveness is not based upon my character. Forgiveness is based upon God's character. He's perfect. He's holy. He's trustworthy. He's true. And when we turn from sin and trust in Christ, God says our sins are forgiven. And we can know that with a shadow of a doubt, because God is a God of trustworthiness. God is light. That is excellent. And, you know, as we get into that second section of scripture we're looking at, which is verses 8 through 10, this is where we come to this classic verse, uh, 1 John 1, 9, so many of us memorized. And Blake, just as you said, it gets to the character of God. We, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's there it is again. It's based on his character. I love that because that's a good commentary for God is light. As we're talking about, as we've talked about verse nine, we've talked about we're forgiven walking from uh, with God and his, his, because he's not darkness, he's light. We see here, we are forgiven when we confess our sins. And this is, I think, such a critical verse. And again, it's based on the character of God. Yeah. So we have to think about the people who are in, in the classroom having a conversation about this. And uh, the reality is there are a lot of people who have a great deal of difficulty admitting that uh, their sin and talking about their sinfulness. Uh, I think we have grown up in a culture where we're all close enough to the same age where we would all say um, the idea of uh, an understanding of Romans 3:23, all of sin to fall short of the glory of God. We tend to think everybody knows that, but we live in a culture where, where people hear sin and they're going like, ah, you know, that, uh, sin, what? I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't see myself that way. And uh, that's a different, that's a change in the culture that we currently live in. I think. Yeah. And that's true because one of the things I make, I make mention of, in this study is that reality. Uh, sometimes we think or we presume that all people understand that they've sinned, as you accurately said, but that's simply not the case. Um, many people believe that there is enough goodness left in them that as long as their good outweighs their bad, then they'll be okay with God one day. And so therefore it's a works based salvation and so forth. Um, but as I indicate in this study is that, you know, if you fail to realize your sin, then you have fallen prey to deception. Sure. Um, a failure to admit sin is a grave mistake. 
it's 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 deceptive by nature and uh and then also to deny the reality of sin is is a manifestation of of self-righteousness um and then also a failure to admit uh, to admit sin and confess sin is also a sign of self-deception but but what the bible exhorts is for all people to acknowledge their sin and then to confess their sin to God, which involves confession also involves that turning from darkness uh, to the light. And when we do confess our sin and turn from darkness to light, this is where we find that wonderful promise from God in the scripture. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's great. And with this, I think it's probably valuable in our groups to not assume everyone really fully understands the significance of that word confess. Yeah. Uh, I love how one commentator uh, said, and it's, it's stuck with me for years. Confession is seeing sin as God sees it and acting accordingly. Yeah. You know, God will have nothing to do with sin. And when I realize my sin, I, I acknowledge that before God. I humble myself and acknowledge it. But this idea of God, it's not like, hey, I'm sorry I did it, you know, har, har, har. But it's like, God, I want to have nothing whatsoever to do with it again. Yeah, running along that same line, I've always heard that confession here is the idea of agreeing with God. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, so we're saying, right, you're God, you're right. But the reality is, and, and this is something as Christians we need to remember, when we confess our sins, and we're, we're very sincere about it, confessing turning from it we're still going to fall again we it's it's uh, that human nature has a way of kind of creeping back up but the beauty of this is when we sin we come right back to him first john chapter 2 begins this uh uh, this section, uh, part of our study my little children i am writing these things to you so that you may not sin but if anyone does sin we have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous one he himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for those of the whole world. Yeah, and I think once again, that just further um, upholds the, 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 the truth that we've already declared is that you can know without a shadow of a doubt that your sins are forgiven. Why? Because once again, we're reminded that it's based upon the character of God in that passage. Uh, again, that scripture that you just read talks about um, uh, the Lord being faithful. He's the righteous one. Uh, he's our advocate. And so God's character says that when we confess our sin and agree with God that it's evil, turn from darkness, turn to the light, trusting in Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, God says, you're forgiven. Christ says, you're forgiven. And, and Christ is the righteous one. Now here's yeah. the thing. Yeah. But also in this verse, we, we find out that not only is our forgiveness based upon the character of God, it, it's based upon the finished work of Christ upon the cross. True. His owning sacrifice for our sins. Christ already paid the debt of our sin. He suffered punishment for us upon the cross. And Christ said, it is finished. So when we trust in Christ as our personal Lord and Saviors, our Savior, 
our sin is atoned for. It's covered. It's it's covered by the blood of Christ. It is it is forgiven, and uh, that's based upon His death, burial, and resurrection, and upon the character of God. So this have, is. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just saying we have uh, we have double security in this passage, <laughs> but we also learn in other places in Scripture that we are sealed in the Holy Spirit. And so really we have triple security, all three persons of, of the Godhead, father, son, and Holy spirit all work together to secure the believer in their salvation. So this is an excellent opportunity uh, to share the gospel with our group. Uh, we, we try to target a session that has an evangelistic uh, element to it. And this one does it just so naturally to talk about our need for forgiveness and how God has made that possible uh, through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for us. So we want to take advantage of that opportunity to point people to uh, the goodness and the love of God and our need to repent and call upon him. And, you know, Chris, alongside that, of those who need to come to faith to begin with in Christ, there are those, there are believers who uh, they truly are Christians, but they've struggled with sin and that, that little feeling. How can they have struggled forgiving themselves? So they can, how can God forgive me because I've done this sin again and again and again? And they grieve over that, but they, they that feeling of, I just don't think God could forgive me one more time. I think this, this study for them to see, we have this advocate who has. Yeah who's made it possible. And he, God wants to forgive us far more than we ever desire to be forgiven. Uh, we just can't, I don't think we can fully appreciate and understand uh, his forgiveness. I mean, the fact that Christ went to the cross to secure that for us. Yeah. And I think that uh, you, you know, you, you spoke to something that I think is a, is a trap that many Christians fall into and it's basing their salvation on how they feel. Um, I encounter this all the time as a pastor. I have people come in, they want to talk to me. And it's always, you know, most of the time it has to do with their salvation. And once I begin to talk to them about their testimony and when it was they trusted in Christ, I get the same answer. Well, I feel. But the reality is, is I, I'm, not, I'm not negating feeling from salvation. Of course, feeling is involved. But feeling is not the is is not the main thing that we look to. Our salvation is to be based on fact. That's what we base our salvation on is fact, not feeling. The fact is, is that God says when we confess our sins and trust in Christ, we are forgiven. That's a fact. And and we know it's true because God is trustworthy. A fact. Our salvation is based upon the atoning work of Christ upon the cross. Christ died upon the cross to atone for our sins. Mm -hmm. So when we trust in Christ, our sins are atoned for. God says our sin is forgiven. He's trustworthy. And Christ died for our sin. Those are the facts. First John 1, 9 is a fact. If you confess with your mouth, I'm sorry, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a fact. So I would say to anyone who's doubting their salvation, I would say to them, first of all, uh, do you believe the facts? 
And secondly, have you placed your faith in those facts? And if you can say, yes, I believe the facts. Yes, I've placed my faith in Jesus. Then don't base your salvation on how you feel. But I guess it's been remarkable. We appreciate you taking the time to write this and to share with us uh, some insights about this passage. I believe that this podcast will be very, very beneficial to people who are leading conversations uh, around uh, this topic of forgiveness this week. So thank you for taking the time to share with us. We want to take a moment to speak to the leaders and and teachers of of our sessions uh, real quick. Uh, So, the idea of confession comes up in first John one, nine. Uh, we need to help people understand it just like Blake has done what confession is and what it means that we confess our sins and that we acknowledge that and we, in fact, are sinners. Uh, my, my teaching tip to you as a leader is just to be aware that uh, you may have some people in your group who suddenly decide that now is the right time to confess their sins uh, before the whole group. They may take a James, uh, James uh, five uh, tells us that we are to confess our sins to one another. And they may, they may feel like, well, I need to do that now. And you may have people in your group who will say, well, we should, the Bible says this is what we should do. And uh, so there's a difference between what, uh, what we're talking about here and the importance of confessing our sins to God for forgiveness and that confession Uh, of our sins to others. And so uh, just want you to balance that. If that, if that comes up in your class, if you've got someone who suddenly feels the need to confess every sin in their lives, uh, you may want to redirect. I have a grandchild and a mother-in-law who has Alzheimer's. And one of the things we have learned is that oftentimes we have to redirect the conversation uh, with, with these, with these special individuals. So sometimes it's important to redirect it and to take this one outside of the room to have a personal conversation with someone. Sometimes there is that need for public confession. I'm not, I'm not downplaying that at all. Typically it's not in our Bible study class uh, that that's going to happen. And as a leader, you just need to be aware that that could come up and you may be, may want to be prepared to, uh, to, to get someone aside to talk about some of those specifics and maybe get them to your pastor and have a a more in-depth conversation at that point in time. You guys are both spiritual leaders. Let me see if you have anything to say about that, and then we'll close this out. I would just say be prepared to talk to that feeling issue because it will come up in your class. And so I would just say be prepared for that, point them to the facts uh, and point them to faith. And, uh, And then the last thing I would say is to be ready be ready. You know, you have, you have a significant doctrinal issue in this passage when he talks about Christ's atoning sacrifice. I would just say be ready to talk about atonement. Uh, make sure you study the commentary that goes along with these studies and uh, make sure you have a good handle on the, the I, you know, have a good handle and that you're able to explain uh, with clarity uh, what atonement means. Good. Well said. And I just uh, to echo what Henry Blackaby has said, be prepared, but always also be prepared for the Holy Spirit to work. So uh, if the confession happens in the group as someone wants to really kind of get an understanding of atonement as a leader, just to be prepared where God takes this group for what your group needs to hear that particular hour. So I just want to say, leaders, thank you for your role in ministering to those in your group. Uh, Blake, you're going to be with us in a few uh, uh, 
a few weeks down the road, another podcast with us. Look forward to having you with us at that time. But thanks for being with us for this podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It was a good podcast. Great, great content. Uh, those of you who are listening, thank you for listening. Hope this is beneficial to you, and we look forward to see, being with you next week.